Welcome to That Anthro Podcast, the podcast dedicated to anthropology. Together, each week, we will be learning from the experts and researchers that are researching our pasts and today's problems. My name is Gabriella Campbell, and I'll be interviewing a new guest each week to bring to you the latest and greatest in anthropology, based right here out of Santa Barbara. Join me for weekly episodes, whether you're an anthropology buff or looking to learn something new. Welcome to That Anthro Podcast. And now, a word about the sponsor of our podcast, Anchor. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to this week's episode of That Anthro Podcast. We need some intro music. Can someone help me? I just, I want a fun little intro song to say that anthro podcast. Any of our listeners that have skills like that, reject me. (laughs) Anyway, so welcome back. Hello. How are you guys doing? Life's been crazy for everyone recently. So I just want to say a big thank you to all of my listeners for taking time out of your busy day to listen to my podcast. It means a lot. So thank you. Um, I hope you enjoy it and I hope you learn something. I'm particularly excited for this episode, even though I'm excited for every episode. Um, I just really love making this podcast. I get to talk about anthropology all day. What more could I want? But the reason I'm particularly excited for this week's episode is that it's a different type of episode than I've done before. It's a bit more informal, and it's definitely a collective effort uh, to bring you this episode on fieldwork. So... I reached out to some of my colleagues and former excavation mates to hopefully give you a fun and multi-dimensional insight into anthropological fieldwork. Uh, We talk a bit about um, general archaeological fieldwork, my experiences and some of my friends' experiences excavating graves, as well as just fun stories, tips and tricks. So I really hope that even if you aren't an anthropologist and you're just listening, some of my family, thank you guys for listening. Um, I still think that this will be a fun episode because it's really kind of just an insight into anthropological fieldwork and it's pretty fun. So stick around. I think it's going to be a good one. And so without further ado, let's get into the episode. Hi everyone, Gabby here. My must-haves for archaeological fieldwork are your own trowel, knee pads, and protein bars. Protein bars or any type of granola bars are your best friend in the field because whether you're at staying at your residence or you're in the lab or you're in the field, they are your go-to meal. Also, learn from me and only pack one swimsuit. I thought it would be really fun to pack eight swimsuits because I thought, I'm going to be swimming a lot. But the key for packing for fieldwork is to pack one of everything essential or two if it's something, again, that you're going to be wearing every day. But the key is pack light, especially because you might want to bring home souvenirs from where you're visiting. Thanks. Hi everyone, this is Steph who runs the Instagram account and Adventuring Archaeologist and my top tip for anyone doing fieldwork is to not only make sure that you're drinking enough water, which is incredibly important, but also make sure you're having your electrolytes. 
Some people like to bring tablets from home. I like to just go to the local convenience store, grab whatever sports drinks popular. This tip has literally saved my life. And it's something I never really thought about before, but genuinely electrolytes are so, so important to think about. Next up, Amy Anderson on her fieldwork must-haves. And what are some of your fieldwork must-haves? The number one for me that you recommended was dissolvable electrolyte powder, and that was a lifesaver. <laughs> yeah, I've gotten heat stroke um, more times than I'm, I'm really comfortable <laughs> admitting. Yeah. Um, so learned that lesson a little too late. Um, but uh, fieldwork must-haves. Um, you know, after about like five weeks, I think... And depends how long your field season is, but um, homesickness sets in and no matter where you are and what food you're eating and how good the local food is, like everyone has their home comfort foods. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for a lot of the, the people I've been in excavation situations with, it's like burritos, Mexican food, everyone's really craving it. Um, but my family's from South Africa, so our like home comfort food is curry. So I always mm. pack curry powder. <laughs> Uh, just, well, that's easy to transport. Yeah, exactly. So like, just in case I get the opportunity to cook some of my own food, because you never know what the what the setup is going to be uh, for, you know, group dining, etc. with the yeah. field crew. Um, but I, I like to pack like a range of, of spices so that I can, I don't know, I, I really like spice up any dish. Yeah, you know, like add some some comfort or some uh, versatility or diversity to the, to the flavor palettes in front of you. Cause food, you can get very food focused in the field, mm-hmm. especially if it's like physically difficult environment or socially difficult. Cause I'm quite an introvert and field situations are usually like very intense with the social interaction. <laughs> um, so having your creature comforts is quite important to like maintaining your, your general sanity out in the field. As you just heard from Steph and Amy, electrolytes are the foundation of staying hydrated in hot and humid climates. You're doing a lot of work in the field, and whether it's moving rocks or digging in graves, you need to stay hydrated. It is the most important thing. It is more important than even, I would say, making sure you're eating because you cannot do any sort of work. You cannot focus if you are not hydrated. So lots of water, lots of electrolytes. But if you are like me, so what I would do is I would do a camelback of water every day and then my full 32 ounce hydro with dissolvable electrolytes. However, even in Spain, they have ants and the ants like sugar. So you want to make sure that you do not leave that hydro flask out. Even if the top is closed, even if it's one of the twisty tops, the ants, they smell the sugar anyway, and they will do their very best to get in your electrolyte solution and ruin what is helping keep you alive. So I would recommend plastic bag, sealed over your hydro, hiding your hydro deep within a bag, your field bag, or even camelback. But your electrolytes are important, so don't let the ants get to them. That's just my recommendation. (laughs) Uh, Another top item for me in the field, top item, is wipes. 
and these could be facial wipes, these could even be uh, makeup removing wipes, um, anything that's going to take the dirt off of you. Any of every single day I would get on the bus and I'd pull out my bag of wipes and I would take a wipe and I would get all the dirt off my face, my chest, my neck, sometimes my arms, my hands, especially if you have a commute to and from the field. Uh, you don't have the opportunity necessarily to go straight home and shower as many field sites do not have that. Um, so that can be really helpful if you have more of a day ahead. So for our field school, we would do um, our excavation in the morning and then we would go to the lab after and we didn't have a break in between. So even something as simple as just wiping the dirt off your face. Yes, you're probably still going to get acne and such things, but simply the feeling of feeling a little bit more clean, a little more put together, it wipes off some of the sweat. It kind of, they're cooling, it's refreshing, can really help reset you and get you ready to either continue uh, the field day, do some lab work, or even if you don't have access or opportunity to shower before you go out um, around the town, uh, I highly, highly, highly recommend cheap facial or body wipes. They are amazing and really help refresh you for the following day. Hello everyone, my name is Olivia Thompson and I am a third year undergraduate um, at CSUN in the Department of Anthropology. Uh, I am very interested in archaeology and I'm going to be telling you a little bit about my um, experiences in an archaeological field school. And also hello to Gabby, thank you so much for inviting me to be on your podcast today. I've never done anything like this, but I am so excited to just tell everybody my experiences and go over everything that I believe are helpful tips and tricks uh, for your first field school or just my personal preferences on tools and things like that. Um, so I had the pleasure of working with the Belize Valley Archaeological Reconnaissance Project. They are a really fantastic program down in Belize. Uh, they're directed by Dr. Jaime Awe, and Dr. Awe is actually, um, or did act as the chief archaeologist and acting commissioner of archaeology at the Department of Archaeology in Belize. He did resign in 2014, I believe, um, but he did work closely with the government uh, just to provide ethical archaeological research within Belize. Um, so my specific team that I was working with uh, was working at a Mayan site called Cajal Pech. They were looking at uh, classic and pre-classic artifacts and um, architecture. Um, so the site actually was thought to have been an Acropolis for an elite family during the classic period, but both classic and pre-classic architecture and artifacts are um, known to be at the site. Our job during the summer of 2018 was to continue excavations and uncover more architecture and artifacts that were buried away. These excavations that we were working on were based off of a previous cache that was found um, in the site's main plaza. So this would have been um, specific artifacts like pots and offerings that were left in a certain place um, on the plaza before being covered up by another floor, uh, the Maya, which interestingly enough kind of did architecture like an onion. So the more you dig down, you'll cover a floor, 
um, pretty much garbage underneath that floor and another floor. So whenever they decided they need to remodel, um, they would fill up with garbage and just put a new floor right on top of it. Uh, but you can find some of these caches underneath the floors, which were just acting as offerings, um, and they serve as a really great place for research. Um, unfortunately, we didn't actually end up finding another cache or anything we were looking for. Um, it was mostly just Mayan garbage, which, you know, we're archaeologists. That's exactly what we were supposed to find. Um, but this trip served as a great learning experience for me and uh, just learning what archaeology is all about and how it's not romanticized as it usually is in the media. So here are some of my tips and tricks for you all. Um, I guess it would it would be easier easy to assume that ancient pottery from classic and pre-classic periods would be pretty hard to come by. Um, I learned pretty quickly that like the shiz is everywhere. You know, you look on the ground, there are pieces of ceramic or uh, ceramic sherds and fragments literally everywhere. Um, so our team, while we were looking at everything, decided that um, you would be looking at diagnostic or not diagnostic pieces. So diagnostics would be any pieces of sherd that had a identifiable rim or uh, artwork on it that would make it easier to identify and place together with other pieces. If the piece of sherd you were looking at didn't have an identifiable rim or any sort of artwork on it, you just threw it right behind you onto the ground. Now, it was really important to never take anything with you, although we weren't using these artifacts in our research. Um, it was very important that we leave everything on the site that we found. Um, and then after this, sometimes if we were done with a certain um, excavation site, we would pile all of the pieces of sherd and fragments of pottery that we weren't going to use and just place them back into the ground. Um, number two is when placing a tarp over your excavation area, be sure to prop it up. Belize is a very rainy country. Um, coming from Southern California where it never rains, um, I wasn't quite used to that. But there were a few nights where we covered up our excavation sites with tarps and came back to small swimming pools in the morning. And that was such a pain to get out of the holes because you're trying to keep your excavation site dry and then you come back with a lake on top of it. It's kind of hard to clean it up in the morning. Um, although going on your first dig can be super exciting, you don't always find buried treasure, you know? So a lot of the time you're finding nothing at all, but that's pretty much just how it goes with archaeology. It's a mix-up. Um, and I also wouldn't label anything as treasure either. This is artifacts. Your, your goal is to learn something about a past population. It's not to find some golden and, you know, shiny de deity structure or statuette like they do in Indiana Jones. Um, so be prepared to not find anything useful at all and sometimes that's just how it happens 
All right, and then for one of my most useful objects, I always hear from people that your trowel is your best friend if you're digging in the ground. Um, but I would say this is definitely true. I love my trowel. But my favorite partner in crime was my 22-ounce steel geological pick. This thing was a serious lifesaver. The soil in Belize is super dense and um, pretty damp and the sharp tip on this thing really made it easy to really dig down and get through a layer of ceramic floor or soil or whatever you were going through, but also provided enough precision to not destroy everything in your path. Um, so that was probably one of my favorite tools, as well as my field journal. It was so helpful to be able to jot everything down, um, any artifacts you find, any architecture, if you were uh, excavating along a wall, sometimes you find uh, artifacts hidden within the bricks of the wall, or if part of it is tumbled over, it's really helpful to be able to write down exactly where you're finding these things. Um, another interesting part of working in Belize is all of the stray dogs. I loved these dogs, um, but I will warn you, if you show any of these stray dogs, any affection, they will follow you forever. And me, being a dog person, I said hi to pretty much every dog that I came into contact with. And let me tell you, when I woke up in the morning, I'd walk outside and I'd have three or four dogs sitting on my porch, coming out in the morning, ready to follow us to the, to the excavation site and hang out. I provided a, a picture to Gabby of one of these dogs. I don't know if she's going to show that anywhere, but it was pretty funny. They were great. Um, yeah, and, and finally, I just say really enjoy your time on your project. You're obviously there to learn. This is an educational experience, but branch out, like explore the culture, try new foods, immerse yourself, because I feel like that is one of the most valuable things that you can do on your time. All right. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy everything that you are learning today. Thanks. Bye. First of all, before I move on to my bit, I'd like to say thank you to Olivia for contributing that experience, especially as a fellow undergrad. Field schools and doing them in your teen or early 20 years can be a lot different than doing field excavations in your more adult life. And I completely agree. I think going out of your comfort zone, clearly still be safe, do things that make you feel comfortable, but little things like maybe trying a local food or a local drink, not necessarily an alcoholic drink, but sometimes it can be fun. I know when I was in Menorca, they had the classic gin and lemon, and that was very fun because it's uh any food or drink is such a cultural thing, especially in other countries. So when you immerse yourself in that, you really do feel a stronger connection to where you're visiting. I also think that something that I learned on my field school experience is that you are so lucky to be on a field team with sometimes people that are from across the country across the globe. For me, when I did my field school, there were people from across the world, and it was a really, really fun and unique experience to be sitting, excavating them with them all day long, or at dinner, or, you know, in the, uh, the residence at night, just talking about various cultural 
sometimes political or even various historical things that are going on. For example, when I was on my field school in Spain, um, Boris Johnson was being elected and that is something I don't think I'll ever forget because all of my British counterparts were watching it live or recorded probably on their computers and discussing, you know, what that meant for the UK and what it means with Brexit and everything. And I definitely feel like experiences like that that are even just simple of hearing about their daily life, what uni may be like differently. I learned so much about um, Australian and UK uh, education systems in comparison to the United States. And that's something that I never would have learned if I wouldn't have taken the time to chat with my fellow uh, fieldwork peers. So take the time to learn not only about the place that you are in, but also the people that you're with, because especially if you are on a longer field season, those are the people that are your support system. And making sure that you're getting as much out of it as you can, especially like I said, as an undergrad, I feel like the more I can broaden my horizons and learn the most I can, the better. So that is some tips from me and Olivia about going outside of your comfort zone. Next, we'll hear from Mackenzie Wade, who has a different perspective from those of us who've done a lot of archaeological fieldwork, as most of her fieldwork is in her local environment and has to do with cultural topics. So here's Mackenzie. Hi, Gabby. Thanks for having me back on. I am so glad that you're doing a fieldwork episode Fieldwork is really central to anthropology, so I think there's going to be some great stuff to talk about, Um, and I'm excited to share a bit about my experience. So if you listened to the Edible Insect podcast episode that we did, you know that my fieldwork is pretty untraditional. It's not the the fieldwork where like an anthropologist goes into this remote village. It's not traditional in that sense, Um, but I did do two fieldwork experiences before I transitioned my research to studying edible insects. So I worked with the Taos Pueblo community in Taos, New Mexico. And I also worked with a small Maya village in Yashuna, which is in the Yucatan. And that was for my master's research. Um, There's a lot of really great stuff that I could talk about there, but I wanted to just say a few things about field work before we jump in. Um, So in anthropology, We've had a really long and problematic history of exoticizing other peoples and places. And I think that's important to draw attention to when talking about fieldwork. It's really fun and it's really important to travel and to learn from different cultural groups. But we just want to avoid these exoticized narratives that often come up. Um, Right now, they're are a lot of people doing anthropological work who themselves are members of these communities around the world, often indigenous communities, and that's really great. We want to encourage people to um, research their own communities instead of thinking about the other, you know. Um, So when we're talking about field work, no matter what field of anthropology you're in, I think the most important thing to recognize is just about being an ethical researcher. 
that should be central to everything you do while in the field. And that means that you're engaging with your community of study and you're really involving them in the research process. It means that you're going to give back to the community because you're learning so much from them in a way you're taking a lot, so you should also be giving back. Um, make sure that your work cannot harm others in any way at all. Uh, make sure that you obtain permission for everything that you record, whether it's audio recording or visual recording or just things that you may write down in your dissertation or whatever you're writing. Um, most of us, you know, we're good people. We have good intention, intentions, but sometimes it's hard to see that something that we write could harm a community in some way. So, you know, field work can be really fun and exciting, but we also just want to make sure that it's done ethically. Uh, I know that that's kind of specifically for cultural anthropologists, but we all have a duty to the people that we're learning from, whether they're alive or not. Okay, so um, my research now, like we talked about, focuses on my own community. So I study the edible insect advocacy community in the U.S. So my fieldwork isn't traditional in the sense that I'm going far away or learning a different language. It really focuses on a community that I'm very familiar with and that um, I have been a part of for a while. So my answers are probably pretty different than other people. But um, one of my fieldwork must-haves, this is definitely going to be different from anyone else, is my bug bag. So I have a big bag that's full of everything that I have related to edible insects. So I have books, information sheets, shirts. There's like a bug hat that I was given um, by my advisor. It's like a full kit for edible insect education events. And in there, I also have my field notebook. That's one thing that you'll probably hear from others is really central to field work, having a notebook that you're writing down all of your information that you're learning as you learn it. Some people do this by computer, but I think writing is really an important process to, uh, to think through everything that you're learning as you're learning it. The second essential field work must have for me this is also true for a lot of cultural anthropologists, is a recording device. Um, nowadays, it's kind of easy to just use your phone, but we have a lot of stuff on our phones, right? It's easy for fieldwork material to get lost in there. And I also hate having my phone out in a fieldwork setting. It feels, you know, just not right. It's like being on a date with your phone out or sitting with your family with your phone out. So it's nice to have something that is a little bit more formal, I guess having that recording device. Um, and then also always make sure that you um, can ask if you can record a conversation that who's ever participating with you feels very comfortable with that. Um, in the case where that doesn't feel right, just stick to your field notebook. You can ask if you can jot down notes, take field jottings. Um, I know you asked for a story and it's kind of hard to find one from my edible insect research just because it is such a, uh, in a way, a funny topic, and my research is always uh, just full of very interesting stories, especially watching kids eat bugs. They just say the most hilarious things. So one time I was helping out with an education event at a fair, 
and it was like the youth day, so all the kids got in freeze. It was packed full of kids, and all these parents were really not happy about the kids eating insects. I think it was started by one parent. They were just like, well, we don't want our kids doing that, and there was probably like 60 kids in this room all started chanting at the same time, we love bugs, we love bugs, and it got like intense, like very, very intense. And then there were just like bugs flying everywhere and it was just madness. So that kind of stuff happens to me a lot. Um, But I'll tell also maybe just a little uh, goofy story about me and my field work in Yashuna in the the Maya village. So um, I get really bad motion sickness. And when I was doing my master's field work, I slept in a hammock for three months. And I seriously get seasick in a hammock which is just lame. I know, I'm very lame. Um, So as I am sleeping in this hammock, every single night I had to keep one leg outside of the hammock and like anchored on the ground so I wouldn't get seasick or what, hammock sick, I guess. So I would always have one leg that's just like filled with a bunch of mosquito bites. The last thing I have to share with you all is my favorite memory from field work. And it's actually two memories. Uh, The first one was the first day I got to Menorca and uh, our field crew, some of us went to this quarry that um, was kind of like a place you could jump off a rock um, into the ocean. And uh, first of all, the water in Menorca is something other earthly it's it's just the most beautiful water you've ever seen in your entire life and so we did uh we all well maybe not all of us some of us jumped uh the off this cliff okay cliff's a bit of an exaggeration off this ledge that was maybe 10 12 feet off in the air and I feel like it was a really good way to kind of start my field experience I know that kind of sounds silly because it's not in the field but it was kind of the beginning of really like embracing um, being in another place and doing something that I wouldn't normally do. Uh, this The second and last thing that I have to share with you all is that one of my fondest memories was working, uh, excavating in the graves alongside um, my, I would consider them friends. And uh, we would pick different topics to talk about while we were excavating because sometimes it would get really long. And if it was hot, it was kind of be a way to keep our mind uh uh, activated while we were also um, excavating. So one of the things, it, it was a recurring topic that we would talk about was what is a single event in history that you think if it had been different would have made the most lasting impact um, in today's society. And that was something really fun. So if any of my excavation friends are listening from that dig, hey guys, love you all. Thanks for listening. And That's it for that Anthro podcast today. Have a great day, everyone. Hey, thanks for listening. Give us a follow on Instagram at that Anthro podcast for more behind the scenes content. Also, make sure to check out our other episodes and leave us a rating on Apple if you liked us. Thank you.